Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by and welcome to Yum China fourth quarter and fiscal year 2020 earnings conference call. At this time, all participants are in listen-only mode. After the speaker presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. I would now like to hand a conference over to our first speaker today, Ms. Debbie Ding. Thank you. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining Young China's fourth quarter 2020 earnings conference call. Joining us on today's call are our CEO, Ms. Joey Watt, and our CFO, Mr. Andy Young. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you that our earnings call and investor presentation contains forward-looking statements, which are subject to future events and uncertainties. Our actual results may differ materially from these forward-looking statements. All forward-looking statements should be considered in conjunction with the cautionary statement in our earnings release and the risk factors included in our filings with the SEC. This call also includes certain non-GAAP financial measures. You should carefully consider the comparable GAAP measures. Reconsideration of the non-GAAP and GAAP measures is including our earnings release. Today's call includes three sections. First, Joey will highlight our accomplishments over this past year and review our strategy and key priorities. Andy will review our financial performance and outlook in greater detail. Finally, we'll open the call to questions. You can find the webcast of this call and a PowerPoint presentation which contains operational and financial information for the quarter on our IR website. Now I would like to turn the call over to Joey Watts, our CEO. Thank you, Debbie. Um, hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I hope you and your families are safe and healthy no matter where you are. First, I want to acknowledge the great work of our 400,000-plus employees and express my heartfelt appreciation. With their dedication, creativity, and tireless efforts, we have been navigating the difficult times and effectively managing our business. Looking back at the past year, we put the health and safety of our employees and customers as our number one priority. Our team kept most of the stores open, even at the peak of the outbreak. Our execution capabilities and agility helped us overcome many challenges. We captured off-premises consumption opportunities and drove recovery in dining volumes. Sales and traffic recovered sequentially since the first quarter. Our operating profits remained solid and grew double digits year over year in the second half. This is the result of strong execution and efficiency improvement. KFC remained resilient. We accelerated store expansion with attractive returns and maintained solid profitability. We made remarkable progress in strengthening the fundamentals of Pizza Hut across all aspects. That is reflected in the sales and margin improvement. Going forward, we will continue to fortify the resilience of Pizza Hut's business model. At the core of all these is our ability to innovate. KFC's premium Wagyu beef burger resonated well with consumers and was sold out within days. And their sweet pumpkin congee, Guiyuan Lianzi Nan Guazhou, is the perfect item for the winter. 
Portuguese chicken curry at Pizza Hut became an instant hit on the delivery menu. We demonstrate our commitment to be a responsible corporate citizen. The pandemic reinforced our determination to look after our employees. We extended our family care coverage designed for our restaurant managers to 13,000 restaurant management team and supervisors and their families. Our efforts are recognized in the industry. For the third consecutive year, we were certified as the top employer in China and included in the Bloomberg Gender Equality Index. We were also recognized for our commitment to sustainability, and we were named an industry leader in the 2020 Dow Jones Sustainability Index. Let's move on to growth strategy. Despite the challenges, we are optimistic about the future opportunities in China. We have been staying the course with our long-term strategy centering around three key growth initiatives. Let me give you some update on our latest thinking. First, store growth. We opened 1,165 new stores in 2020, marking the highest new store openings in the 33-year history of operating in China. This is equivalent to opening one new store every eight hours. Our new stores payback remain healthy at approximately two years for KFC and three to four years for Pizza Hut. We intend to sustain this store building momentum into 2021 and beyond, and reach the next 10,000 stores much faster than the first. There's still plenty of white space in which we can expand. We are tracking over 700 cities in which we have no presence in China. To penetrate new markets, KFC is piloting small-town model designed for the needs of tier six cities or below. This model has localized menus store layouts and operating models that require less capex. We are encouraged by the initial result of these pilot stores, and we will open more small-time model stores in 2021 in KFC. In more established cities, we will increase store density with our multiple store formats. As the mix of off-premise occasions continues to increase, we have further reduced the average store size and capacity per new store. One example is Pizza Hut's hub and spoke model, which we introduced in 2019 Investor Day. I'm excited to report that with nearly 50 stores, 50 hub and, um, uh, hub and spoke stores, at the end of 2020, the results are very promising. We will roll out more of these stores and other small store formats and adapt our store models to evolving consumer needs. To create an even stronger foundation to accelerate expansion, we are stepping up investment in our infrastructure. More details will be provided by Andy later on. Second, portfolio growth. While KFC and Pizza remain our key growth drivers, we are also leveraging Young China's resources, execution capabilities, and learnings to develop our emerging brands. Great things are brewing in coffee. We now have three distinct brands with clear segmentation and strategies. We are committed to accelerate expansion of our coffee business and make it meaningful part of Young China. 
Pay Coffee fulfills that daily ritual with good quality coffee at affordable prices at over 7,000 KFC restaurants in China. 140 million cups of K-Coffee were sold in 2020, making us one of the top three players in terms of cups sold. Coffee Enjoy has evolved to offer specialty coffee for coffee lovers while utilizing an asset-light model. We are working on improving the profitability of CNJ and exploring other potential avenues of growth. Meanwhile, Lavaza offers premium coffee in an indulgent atmosphere. We now have five beautiful stores in Shanghai, and we are pleased with the initial results. We plan to, we plan to um, accelerate openings in 2021 to test different store models, ranging from mini to flagship store. On the Chinese cuisine market, post-acquisition integration of Huan Jihuan has progressed well. We have driven synergies in product innovation, franchisee development, and supply chain. Huan Jihuan sales recovered sequentially and delivered solid profits since acquisition. We will further work on the menu and operations for our Chinese cuisine brands to drive store expansion and growth in the seasoning and packaged food business. The third growth initiative is digital and delivery. The COVID pandemic highlighted the power of digital from member engagement delivery to operations. Our membership has grown to over 300 million. Member sales now account for 60% of our sales. Privileged subscription program is effective in boosting frequency. We sold 38 million subscriptions in 2020. The average spending of privileged members doubled during their subscriptions. More targeted promotions help us keep marketing expense down. Delivery has been growing rapidly and even faster during the pandemic. It now accounts for 30% of our sales. In 2020, we upgraded our rider platform with AI-enabled zoning, rider routing optimization, and real-time monitoring. In the test market, on-time rate customer satisfaction and efficiency have improved. We also tested rider sharing between KFC and Pizza Hut in Eastern China. We will expand this initiative into more brands and more markets. In 2021 and beyond, we are allocating more capex to further strengthen our digital and delivery capabilities. To make our organization more efficient in the long run, we will deploy AI and automation in more of our operations and continue to advance end-to-end -end digitization from farm to fork. We are committed to driving long-term growth with the three growth initiatives. Investments across all three are necessary to build our leadership and agility. Let's move on to um, 2020 Q4. Uh, and I would like to make a few comments first. Sales improved sequentially from the third quarter, although the pace of recovery was impacted by regional outbreak of COVID. October sales benefit from the National Day holiday. The sales in November and December was pressured by increased regional outbreaks. Traffic at transportation hubs remained significantly below the prior year due to reduced travel. Dain remained pressured but recovered a bit sequentially. Delivery and takeaway remained popular options and accounted for over 50% of sales. 
digital orders increased to 83%. Pizza Hut table-side mobile ordering has increased in popularity as we enhance the user interface. It now accounts for over 35% of sales, up from just 7% in the prior year period. Operating profit grew to $180 million. Andy will cover the financial in detail in his session. As we look into the first quarter of 2021, we see the resurgence of COVID-19 adversely impacting our business. Nationwide, authorities have tightened preventive measures and advise against travel, large gatherings, and dining out, especially during the Chinese New Year holiday period. Given the current situation, we see significant headwinds for the first quarter. Our teams are closely monitoring the situation and leveraging learning from the past year. Our marketing programs encompass a wide array of compelling offers targeting both dining and off-premise occasions and different party sizes. We will stay agile to adjust our marketing programs and operations to the evolving situation. Most importantly, we remain confident in the long-term potential of China and stay focused on generating sustainable shareholder returns. With that, I will turn the call over to Andy. Andy? Thank you, Zhou and hello, everyone. I will first address key financials and developments in the fourth quarter, then provide some color on our 2021 outlook. Unless noted otherwise, all percentage changes are bent before the effects of foreign exchange. Let me first cover our Q4 financial results. Revenue grew 5%, and same-store sales recovered to 96% of the prior year period. The sequential improvement was supported by continuous strength in delivery and takeaway, while dine-in volume gradually recovered. KFC's same-store sales recovered to 96% of the prior year period, compared to 94% in Q3. Our transportation and tourist hub sales improved but remain challenging. System sales grew 3% year-over-year, reflecting the contribution of new build acceleration. Pizza Hut same-store sales recovered to 95% of the prior year, compared to 93% in Q3. Same-store transaction volume recovered to 98% of the prior year period. Wang Jiwang and the consolidation of Suzhou KFC contributed to 4% of total set revenue. We opened 505 stores in Q4, which helped us achieve the record level new store opening for the year. Restaurant margin was 15.1%, up 2.7% compared to last year. I want to thank our team for the excellent work in driving operating efficiencies and managing costs. Cost of sales was 31%, 1.2% better than last year. This was mainly helped by lower poultry prices and more targeted value promotion at Pizza Hut. Cost of labor was 24.2%, almost flat year over year. Wage inflation and increase in rider costs associated with delivery volume increases were largely offset by labor productivity improvements and shortage in part-time workers. Occupancies and orders was 29.7%, 
1.7% better than last year, mainly attributable to reductions in advertising and savings in other operating costs. We also received around $7 million in rental and government relief, which is expected to phase out in 2021. GNA expenses decreased 9%, mainly due to lower performance-related compensation, timing shift of government incentives, and cost controls. Operating profit was $180 million, up 78%, mainly due to restaurant margin improvement. Please keep in mind that some of the factors driving Q4 profits are not expected to recur, such as lower advertising costs and performance-related compensation and one-time relief. Some of the productivity improvement due to labor shortage is also temporary, as we intend to increase staffing levels. Our effective tax rate was 28%, net income was $151 million, and adjusted net income was $153 million. Excluding $23 million of net investment gains in May 1, it was $130 million, up 65% year-over-year. Value of the EPS increased 43% to $0.35. Cents. Now let's turn, our, turn to our outlook for 2021. Heading into the first quarter, cluster of outbreaks surge, impacting a large swath of the countries, especially in northern and northeastern China, Beijing, and Shanghai. Government implemented stricter public health measures across China, such as advisory against travel, large gatherings, and dining out. Several cities have also been put on citywide quarantine, including Xijiazhuang, a city of 11 million people. We anticipate significant headwinds for the first quarter. Our transportation and tourist locations, representing high single digit of sales, will likely be more significantly impacted. Government statistics show that the number of travelers was down over 70% in the first few days of the Chinese New Year travel this year, which started in late January. Overall, dine-in traffic has been affected. We expect trading during the important Chinese New Year holiday period to be subdued, with sales impacted by substantially less travel, smaller gatherings, and generally reduced social activities. Sales in lower-tier cities, which represent over half of our sales, will also be impacted as fewer people will return to their hometown for Chinese New Year. As KFC has a higher percentage mix of stores in lower-tier cities and transportation hubs, it will be disproportionately impacted. So Q1 will be all hands on deck. In response to the headwinds, we have stepped up our value campaigns and tailored our marketing calendars according to city tiers and trade zones. We have also adjusted our operations and delivery resources to capture shifting dine-in and off-premise demand. We will endeavor to do everything we can to mitigate the headwinds. Please also keep in mind that January and the first quarter will be a tough comparison. Last year, COVID-related lockdowns started only in late January. On a year-over-year basis, last year's sales benefited from strong first few weeks leading into Chinese New Year. 
We anticipate the recovery to, will remain nonlinear and uneven, influenced by regional outbreaks, reduced travel, and lingering effects on consumer behavior. In 2021, margin will remain subdued compared to pre-COVID level as we face several headwinds. We expect full recovery of sales to pre-COVID levels to take some time. Compelling value campaigns to drive traffic will continue to be our focus. We expect two-year wage increase since 2019 to be high single digits, including 3% in 2020 and mid-single digits in 2021. We are stepping up our efforts in sustainability. In light of the latest regulations in China, we are replacing plastic packaging with more eco-friendly materials. It's expected to increase our cost of sales by over $30 million in 2021. On a year-over-year -year basis, we are lacking over $100 million of COVID-related government and rental relief in 2020, which is mostly phased out now. On the positive side, our commodity prices are expected to decline by low to mid-single digits, mainly driven by lower poultry prices. Since we usually lock, up, lock, lock our poultry contracts one quarter in advance, prices may still fluctuate throughout the year. We'll build on our momentum uh, in 2020 and target to open approximately 1,000 new stores in 2021. We will step up investment in digital, logistics, and other operational infrastructures to support accelerated growth. Total CapEx in 2021 will increase to approximately $600 million. This investment will impact profitability in the near term, but will yield benefits in the long term. With that, let me cover our capital allocation framework. Uh, with over $4.3 in cash and short-term investments and strong cash flows, perhaps as much as $8 billion of capital will be deployed over the next five years. As we think about our long-term capital allocation, our key goals are to deploy capital efficiently, to accelerate growth, and to create long-term value for our shareholders. Now, before I outline the use of cash, I want to emphasize that we will continue to run a prudent financial strategy, ensuring sufficient cash on hand for working capital and sufficient reserves to deal with potential contingencies. Organic growth remains the most important driver for our long-term strategy. As Joey mentioned, we aim to achieve the 20,000 store milestone much faster than the first 10,000 store milestone. We'll prioritize our capital to support organic growth. Hence, we will more than double our CapEx over the next few years. A majority of our CapEx will be used for accelerating store network expansion and store remodeling for our core brands, KFC and Pizza Hut, growing them while keeping them fresh. We also plan to invest several hundred million dollars in our emerging brands, especially the coffee business, building them into meaningful scale and a material part of our business mix. While expanding the network of physical store is an important growth driver, enhancing our digital and delivery capabilities 
and logistic infrastructure is equally important to our future success. To efficiently and adequately support a network of 20,000 stores would require a bigger, more robust, and more agile digital and physical capabilities and infrastructure. In addition, we also like to see greater digitization, automations, and intelligence across our operations. So we have earmarked over a billion dollar investment to advance our end-to-end -end digitization program, including digitizing our store, marketing, supply chain, and back office operations. Roughly another billion dollars has also been earmarked to expand our logistic infrastructure to enhance automation capabilities to drive efficiencies. The rest of the capital will be allocated for shareholder returns and M&A. We resume cash dividends in the fourth quarter and have returned $1.2 billion to shareholders since the spin-off. In the future, we expect steady returns to shareholders in line with our profit growth. We will also maintain a disciplined approach to M&A and investment, while exploring opportunities to invest in brands with excellent growth potential, to acquire new capabilities and technologies, and to build and support our ecosystem. We believe this approach to capital planning to drive long-term shareholder returns. All in all, we are encouraged by the solid financial results we delivered in 2020. We will continue to invest for the long term. I'm confident that we are on the right path to emerge from the COVID pandemic stronger and better prepared for future growth. With that, I will pass you back to Debbie to start the Q&A. Debbie? Thanks, Andy. We will now open the call for questions. In order to give as many people as possible the chance to ask questions, please limit your questions to one at a time. Operator, please start the Q&A. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. If you wish to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone and wait for your name to be announced. If you wish to cancel the request, please press the pound or hash key. Please limit to one question at a time. If you have follow-up questions, please request to rejoin. Our first question comes from the line of Xiaopo Wei. Please ask your question. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Joey Andy, and uh, thank you for taking the first question. Um, uh, my question will be, will be regarding uh, the Chinese New Year. Uh, as uh, uh, Joey mentioned, that there, there, there are very challenging environment in the first quarter. And, but we know that Yam China and yourself are so good at handling the challenges as we can see last year. So after learning a lot of experience in coping with the COVID situation in 2020, how could you do differently and make your business more flexible to, to capture any emerging demand and well protect yourself on the downside in terms of the business in the upcoming Chinese New Year? Any color would be highly appreciated. Thank you. Thank you, Xiaopo. Um, the quarter one, uh, which is driven mainly by the Chinese New Year, would be a, would be a quarter that's rather difficult to, to model uh, because, as I mentioned earlier, we do anticipate significant headwinds, uh, and we do expect recovery will take some time because the situation is still fluid. Um, certain Three things for sure in terms of trend. One is the the surge in cluster outbreak, uh, and that 
result in uh, tightened preventive health measure or advice against travel, large group uh, gathering and dining out. Second is um, the traveling and the social activities uh, significantly reduced. So we, we, we already have seen the first few days of the travel volume uh, is done significantly. And then, um, and then the, the lower tier city um, sales, which is more than 50% of our sales, uh, particularly for KFC, and large party size ticket will be reduced. And also, we do also expect more competitors will stay open during Chinese New Year versus 2020. Uh, the, third, the third thing we know is KFC is likely more impacted than Pizza Hut because of higher mix in the lower tier cities and transportation locations. I mean, the, 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 the next important question is how are we going to deal with it? And certainly we take all the learning from 2020. Um, the, the overall tone and the importance and the priority is still the safety of our employees and customers, and, and on that on that foundation, uh, the, the the focus is to stay nimble and agile. Uh, we do closely, very closely monitoring. Mo we are um, closely monitoring the situation, and there there are two focus here in terms of staying nimble and agile. One is to step up the value campaign, and to line up all our digital and delivery resources. Uh, including our membership program uh, to 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 prepare for the Chinese New Year. Uh, second is we adjust our marketing calendar according to city tier, trade zone, party size, and occasion. Um, I, I suppose compared to the 2020 program is this time we when we plan the marketing campaign we have you you can see we have multiple scenario planning. Um, and that shall help us stay even more agile compared to last year. Last year, things happened before we, 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 we know it's going to happen, uh, so we react really fast, and our team is doing a fantastic job. But this year, uh, we, we, we have more scenario planning, and, and that, sh that, that shall help our team uh, still uh, react quite fast to the evolving COVID situation. Thank you, Xiao Yes, thank you. A well, quick follow-up on, on the new store. Uh, you did a great job in 4Q opening many stores, but if you look at the result, actually we didn't see that a new store really dragged down the restaurant margin. So looking forward, shall we say that a new store will be the key driver for the growth without compromising our margin on a sustainable basis? Uh, thank you, Xiaopu. Uh, quick, quick answer as well. When we open stores as as you as you guys know us already we have rough you know um idea how many stores we want to open but the the most important decision is whether this is a good store or not um so if we see opportunity to open the store we'll open more uh, or less depending on the quality so we 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 always keep our quality um, and as you can see, we still are opening uh, more stores in lower tier city. Um, our quality control continues there. Uh, so it's, it's always the discipline approach that we have been uh, following and will continue uh, to pursue. Thank you.
Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Lina Yan from HSBC. Please ask your question. Hi. Uh, thanks, management, for the presentation, and congratulations on the very good results. My question is also related to the store opening. Uh, we have seen like uh, the very high quality store opening in 4Q, uh, but we also know like normally like there will be re more remodeling in 4Q, and uh, as Shabo said, like uh, new stores might not uh, contributing so much to profitability. So I'm wondering, like, whether what we have seen in 4Q is sustainable, um, as uh, um, uh, like uh, asked uh, earlier. Like, uh, like when we expect, like, the store opening might continue to be the expectations. Whether it's going to lead to higher than, uh, like, the contribution to total revenue will increase, as well as uh, the drive, uh, the uh, the driving higher uh, profit growth as well. Thank you. Uh, Lina, uh, this is Andy. Thank you for your question. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, let, let me first address, uh, you know, the question about, uh, you know, the store opening pace. Uh, obviously, you know, we're very pleased that we have opened, you know, 505 stores in the fourth quarter. Uh, but I also want to remind folks that, you know, uh, even though it's probably still higher than what we expected, but we have uh, already told folks that, you know, because of the COVID impact, uh, you know, the store opening will be more back-end loaded. Uh, and so, you know, with the little bit easing in the COVID situations in fall and, uh, and winter, uh, you know, past year, uh, our development team have really accelerated the pace and try to take advantage of that, uh, that window and open uh, as many as stores as possible. Uh, and then we also try to push, you know, some of the store opening uh, earlier, uh, you know, this, uh, in the fourth quarter. So in anticipation of, you know, the Chinese New Year holiday period. Um, so, so as we mentioned, you know, we, we expect to open 1,000 stores this year, uh, you know, and, uh, and it's, it's a very high pace, right? So, you know, you think about our, our store right now, you know, we have more than, you know, a little more than uh, 10,000 stores, and that's almost like opening, uh, 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 you know, uh, almost like, you know, 10% of a new store. Now, uh, it, it, putting perspective for you, you know, last year we opened – uh, almost like you know, uh, one store every I think eight hours, and so that's a very very fast pace. Um, so so we'll still we'll maintain in a fast pace, uh, but probably not at the level that we're seeing, uh, you know, every quarter 500 plus store. You know, uh, I think I don't think that is, is sustainable, uh, at least in the, in the near term. We do have plans, as we mentioned uh, on the prepared remark, to accelerate you know store network expansion, uh, and and we will put and allocate, you know, uh, resources to do that. Now, in terms of the possibilities uh, of the new store, as Joey mentioned, you know, um, you know, uh, is, uh, it, it, we have a disciplined approach to store opening. So if you look at the payback period for KFC, it's very strong two to three years and have been very consistent over the past few years. Now, uh, Pizza Hut, uh, it's about like three to five years, uh, you know, and also is very strong return. So, so we have a lot of incentive uh, to, to open a store, as many stores as possible, uh, but, you know, within that framework of discipline uh, approach to store opening, make sure that we have the right financial returns. Um, so hopefully, and then one thing, you know, as, as you can tell, you know, obviously with that kind of fast pace of uh, 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 store opening, uh, it better demonstrate our confidence, you know, in the market in China and also the potential opportunities here in China. So we always encourage investors to look at the overall system sales, uh, you know, rather than 
you know, the, the sometimes to focus on, you know, the same soft sales growth uh, because, you know, China is still a growth market. Okay, thank, thank you very you. much, Andy. Our next question comes from the line of Michelle Chen from Goldman Sachs. Please ask your question. Uh, hi, Joey Andy. Uh, congrats for the good results. Uh, my question is about Pizza Hut. Uh, I think clearly last year, uh, even the beloved pressure was so significant. Uh, we see a strong margin improvement. And also in the fourth quarter, we also see uh, we actually open many Pizza Hut stores. So can you share with us, uh, after like uh, two years of uh, revitalization plans, uh, what's our new focus uh, into 2021, and uh, whether we will start to see uh, uh, improving sensors of trend and also further marketing upside. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Um, for, for Pizza Hut, I think it, um, overall, uh, we, we, uh, we did what we um, promised about sales first, profit later in our turnaround journey. And our second half OP more than double compared to the previous years. And um, the, the focus of of Pizza Hut in the last few years is about improving the fundamentals of the business, which we believe will have an impact for years to come. And I think uh, that kind of set the tone about our focus going forward. So uh, our focus going forward is to continue to improve across all these key aspects to cement the changes made in the last few years and make Pizza Hut a resilient business model. I think this is a very important word because I think we believe we, we, we have a very resilient KFC business now, and after a few years' hard work, uh, Pizza Hut business will be also resilient as well. So in terms of focus, um, maybe I'll just highlight three things uh, that we have done. We have worked very hard in the, in the past three years, and we will continue to do that in the coming few years. One is the new menu. Um, our new menu rolled out in late Q2 um, is 75% uh, item are new or upgrade compared to two years ago. And food is, is, I mean, I cannot emphasize how important it is, right? And, and one example I mentioned earlier is the, the, the Portuguese chicken curry. You know, it, it's fantastic food and it's innovative and, and will continue that innovation. Um, and then the, the second highlight is our double-digit growth in the off-premise dining, uh, which including the delivery and takeaway. Uh, because, you know, we all understand our concern towards dining business, uh, rightly so. So after a few years' hard work, you can see the mix right now is a lot healthier. I mean, it's, you know, it's, you know, 40, 40% plus of the total sales. So that also makes our overall business more resilient. Third, digital order. The digital capabilities are absolutely critical in, in any uh, restaurant business right now. The ability to connect the online and offline operation is part of the efficiency, is part of the uh, customer service experience. So let's take one example, the table side ordering. Uh, we, we, we move the, the mix of table size ordering um, Q4 actually is 37%. So 37% of our orders on the table side are done digitally, and that compared to 5% during 2019. And we only start this 
cannot to 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 work on this back to 2018. And you can imagine that both improve the customer service and of course the labor cost. So 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 on top of that, the the fourth thing. Uh, we also launched ready-to-cook steak and pasta to capture home consumption trends uh, or demand, and that is uh, partly, uh, you know, as a result of the pandemic. Um, such growth is uh, is it, it, the opportunity. The growth opportunity is has become even more visible, and we captured that. So, as a result of all these one, two, three, four, and more um, efforts and initiatives. We have seen the improvement of our uh, money-to-value um, um, perception, uh, value-for-money perception, and also uh, overall customers' perception towards the, the food, the service level, the value, the dining environment. Um, therefore, the, the fundamental and the momentum is uh, is promising. And uh, I, I, as I um, mentioned earlier, sales first, profit later. So now the sales is in good, a decent place, and we start to see the improvement in profit, and we want a bit of both going forward. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Joanne. Our next question comes from the line of Anne Lee from Jefferies. Please ask your question. Hey, hi. Thank you very much. Um, uh, I have a question you know, regarding um, capex and also like in you know, our investment. Um, uh, in the past, you know, we have around like you know 400 to 500 million capex and depreciation roughly you know similar as well. So with the step up in terms of like you know um, uh, uh, more store opening and also a step up in the capex of 600 million, um, does it mean that um, we will have a disproportionate uh, increase in terms of the depreciation from year 2021 onwards? i.e. You know, EBITDA growth will be higher than that of the EBIT growth. And then um, our um, 2 billion, 1 billion each investment in digitization and also on the logistics, um, does it include this um, 600 million uh, CapEx um, uh, plan? And how does it roll out, like, you know, um, uh, for each year, you know, how, how, how much will we spend on this part and how will it impact our P&L? Thank you. Thanks, Anne. Um, so, um, capex spending. Um, I think you know if you look at uh, our historical capex spending, uh, it have been you know uh, very efficient uh, and very stretched actually. Uh, if you look at you know over the past five years or, or three five years, uh, our capex spending was roughly you know you know 415 million plus or minus you know uh, some, um, you know, and then we have been opening store more and more. So if you look back, you know, a few years ago, we were opening maybe like five, six hundred stores uh, a year, and now we're opening more than eleven hundred stores uh, in 2020. So we were able to do more with less, and the team have been very frugal in how they spend the money, uh, looking into savings in, you know, store development um, and in infrastructure. Now, um, what we want to do with this, uh, you know, capital allocation plan is really uh, you know, sort of like, you know, uh, reframe this, this, this uh, uh, plan to focus more on growth, driving more efficiency, uh, and to think about this longer term. Um, so, so we will still have a very disciplined uh, store uh, uh, investment strategy, as we have mentioned earlier, for new store opening. Uh, but we will definitely look into a way to accelerate, uh, you know, our, our market penetration, uh, both in terms of low cities, uh, we have tracking 
700 cities that we have not uh, have a present yet for KFC, and you know, a thousand more, you know, for for Pizza Hut. Uh, so there's a lot of white space ahead of us. Uh, and then, you know, for cities that have already, uh, you know, a, a restaurant, uh, we we're likely going to try to increase density. Uh, especially, you know, uh, we will invest more in store that cater to our delivery and and and, and take away. Um, so so definitely, you know, the majority of our capital spending is going to be you know, in store expansions, uh, accelerated store expansions for our core brands, KFC and Pizza Hut. Now, if we uh, look a little bit uh, uh, longer, and we also try to, you know, grow our emerging brands, uh, especially coffee. Uh, like I mentioned in the prepared remarks, uh, you know, we want to grow that into scale and also become a material part of our business. So we're going to invest more. Uh, and so, you know, for investment in new uh, 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 emerging business in the, in the near term, uh, you're likely going to see an impact on some of the uh, 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 costs and, and, and expenses uh, because, you know, obviously ramping up a new brand requires some investment. Um, the other one, I think, for, for, for capital spending, uh, as you mentioned, is digital. Uh, a billion dollar in digital is going to be, you know, a very large investment uh, over the next few years. But this is a very important uh, transformation for the restaurant industry. Uh, for us, our company have undergoing that for a number of years, but we're going to accelerate that and in a much bigger way. Uh, and we, you will see more technology being deployed uh, throughout our operations. Uh, you will also see more uh, automations uh, deployed in our restaurant, in our supply chain. Uh, you will also see more intelligent data analysis that would help us in you know, marketing, supply chain, uh, and, and overall operations in the back office. So all this, uh, you know, so you think about this, right? Like, you know, if you think about uh, 30 years ago, capital is probably all invested in, in store opening. But today, you know, uh, investment in digital, the digital capabilities, uh, having the right robust infrastructure to support a very large network of uh, store uh, will really require, you know, significant increase in investment. So we're basically training you know, uh, capital uh, for labor. So you think about, you know, our store operations, you know, we have uh, able to run more store over the past few years, uh, you know, with you know, relatively stable workforce, somewhere between 400 to 500,000 uh, uh, employees. And all that is, is, is possible because of the investment and the infrastructure that we have built. So, so as I mentioned, you know, store expansion is important, efficient uh, investment in digital infrastructure is equally important to the success of our future. Um, so yeah, so in the near term, uh, you know, as we ramp up, as we mentioned, we over the next few years, we're going to ramp up uh, doubling our capital spending. Uh, that would have you know, impact on depreciation. Uh, but I think in the long run, you would see, you know, uh, gains from other areas, productivities, quicker sales, uh, and, and the long run would be a fantastic return for our investors. So hopefully that addresses your question. Okay. I, I just have one, one little point to add. For for N, um, over if we look at these these um, savings in terms of efficiency from automation and technology investment, just think about this. 2015, we have roughly about 7,000 plus store. Uh, 2020, we have uh, you know 10,000 store. Our number of employee actually still stay. Um, at the number of 400,000 plus. So, 
you know, that gives you a sense of the achievement in the last five years, and hopefully that gives you a sense about, you know, what kind of, uh, you know, potential achievement we would like to achieve with the um, investment, further investment in digital delivery um, and, uh, and the supply chain infrastructure uh, because, um, you know, uh, uh, before opening the stores, we need to get the infrastructure in place in order to, to enable the acceleration of store expansion. Otherwise, the if the infrastructure is just catching up to the store expansion, uh, then we are dragging our feet to, well, if I could describe it that way, if that makes sense. Thank right. you, Anne. Right, and also I want to give you one more uh, anecdotal evidence of how important digital and, and infrastructure investment is and how that helps us, you know, to actually be more productive and keep costs down. Uh, you think about our membership program. We developed that and invested in that over the past couple of years. Uh, our whole digital, you know, CRM program really help us to keep, you know, our AMP low, uh, lower compared to our revenue growth. Uh, and that's all possible because, you know, we have the ability to reach our customer and effectively utilize the technology. Uh, so you may see, you know, cost increase in a part of the P&L, but hopefully in the long run, you see also improvement on the other side. Uh, and again, you know, as mentioned, uh, if you think about China today, you know, uh, over the long term, you see more labor shortage as the population age. So it's very important for us to, you know, stay one, head of, one step ahead of the, the, the game and, and, and anticipate that and invest in productivity in technology and infrastructure. Thank you. Got it. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Chen Lu from Bank of America. Please ask your question. Uh, thank you, Joey and Andy. Uh, so I would apologize if my uh, question has been addressed by previous uh, speakers uh, as my line was disconnected uh, during, in the middle of the call. Uh, so I'm more interested on the food and paper call side. Uh, so we understand that uh, the uh, the chipping cost is coming down pretty dramatically these days. Uh, meanwhile, uh, we are also stepping up our uh, value initiatives. Uh, during our recent China checks, we also noticed that uh, actually uh, we possibly have actually raised price a little bit for KFC at the beginning of the year. So uh, we guess this should be more than enough to offset the cost associated with our eco-friendly initiatives. So given all these kind of moving pieces, is it fair to say that food and paper costs is not going to be a major concern for 2021? Thank you. Mm. Uh, thank you, Shenlo. Uh, and um, I think um, that, that's right. Like, so if you think about, you know, the cost of poultry, uh, you know, have came down over the last few months, and you know, we have locked up, you know, the contract uh, a month ahead of time. So. You know, I think in the near term, that would be, you know, a tailwind for us in the cost of sales. Uh, however, as you correctly mentioned, you know, and as we have mentioned, you know, the, we see quite a bit of headwind uh, for the first quarter, uh, you know, lower traffic uh, in terms of uh, transportation hubs, significantly lower, you know, traffic in the transportation hub business for the CMY sectors, uh, you know, and then we also see other headwinds in terms of less social gathering, uh, a small size group, uh, you know, less social activities. So we do see some headwinds for, you know, uh, our first quarter uh, sales. Uh, and so at this stage of, you know, the, the uh, recovery, it's very important for us to continue to focus on value proposition to uh, uh, consumer. 
And so you should expect uh, we will stepping up that campaign as you have seen in earlier part of uh, the first quarter. Uh, and you know, traditionally we, we don't do as much you know, value campaign uh, for Chinese New Year, uh, but this year you probably will see a little bit more. Uh, now on the on the other hand, I think the uh, sustainable initiative uh, this year, as I mentioned, uh, would likely uh, you know cost us about thirty million dollars uh, for the full year uh, in, in packaging by replacing you know uh, plastic with other eco-friendly materials for packaging. Uh, I think you know uh, it would be an ongoing initiative uh, to uh, to to ESG, and so. So in the future, uh, we'll, you probably will see additional initiatives as well. Uh, so it's, it's not a one-off event for, for us to come up uh, ESG initiative. Um, so, but all in all, I think you know, we've, 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 for, for the overall sales, uh, uh, in the entire commodity prices, that would, that would probably at least ease in the, in the short term. Louis, I just would like to just add the philosophical comment on food costs. Um, our Young China employee all know that we believe in saving all the costs we could save, particularly the GNA hotel, meal, whatever, but we don't save on the food cost for customers. It's our sincerity and our belief that we shall uh, serve the best food we could uh, to the customers. If we do get some savings from the commodity cost, we actually will reinvest that saving, big part of the saving, uh, to to treat our customer better as well, and we believe uh, that is the right thing to do in the short term and in the long term. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Julia and Andy. So just a very quick follow up, uh, if I may. Uh, I understand that we see a lot of headwinds uh, coming to Q1, but meanwhile, uh, we also need to bear in mind that with a very weak February and March last year. Uh, of course, uh, the government is taking some measures at the moment, but last year we were talking about nationwide lockdown with almost everything being shut down for about two months. So I do believe that heading into February and March, things or comes will be looking much better. So it's fair to say that we actually could see a year recovery uh, in Q1, but maybe it could be a bit uh, difficult for us to return to the level that we saw in Q1 of 2019. Would that be a fair comment? Thank you. Channel, uh, let me address this question. Um, you know, I, I really appreciate, you know, the challenge uh, to model uh, the first quarter. Uh, and, you know, internally we also see, you know, a lot of moving parts. Uh, and, and one thing I want to, uh, you know, emphasize is that uh, definitely uh, this year, uh, you know, the number of infected cases uh, you know, uh, uh, relatively limited, about a thousand plus. However, you know, it does not mean that the preventive measure would be, uh, in fact, you know, the, the opposite. Uh, you know, because the learnings from last year, uh, government authorities are, are more cautious and consumers are more cautious and taking a lot more preventive measures. So, uh, as we have mentioned, if you look at the CNY uh, Chinese New Year period for travel, uh, the government have put out, you know, advisory. Uh, against you know, travel and encourage folks to stay put in the cities uh, to celebrate Chinese New Year. And we have seen, uh, you know, railroad traffic and, and, of course, you know, air traffic as well, down more than 70% in just the first few days of very important uh, uh, Chinese New Year period. Now, Chinese New Year period have been historically very important to our business, uh, especially for KFC. Uh, 
you know, which, you know, have, you know, high single digit of the sales, and especially in Chinese New Year period, you know, double digits in, the, in terms of their sales are coming from, you know, the transportation hub and, and tourist locations. That would be disproportionately impacted. Now, if you also look at, you know, the trading uh, situation, uh, would be more complex. Uh, you know, historically, once folks go home, they celebrate, they go out with families. So you, you generally see, you know, a uh, a boost in sales at low-tier cities. Now, given the people are staying in the cities, uh, that would be a little bit different uh, situation. So again, you know, this would probably have a bigger impact on uh, TFC uh, because you know uh, you have presence in you know, more low-tier cities, uh, and so so that's one complexity there. Now the other complexity that going on there is that uh, you know if you think about uh, last year, uh, we go into the first you know a few weeks uh, you know uh, in January last year with very strong momentum, uh, and then a lockdown only happened you know in the late you know January. We don't have that benefit this year, uh, so that's one another thing. Uh, third thing is that you know if you go at KFC, you have recovered very strongly uh, you know in. Uh, uh, in, in, in March and, and later part of, you know, uh, 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 2020. Uh, the reason is because, you know, uh, we were able to keep our, a lot of our store open. Uh, we are able to ensure safety of our employees and customers. Uh, we see tremendous, you know, uh, boost in our delivery business, uh, you know, and then, you know, even though quite a few stores uh, were closed at that time, we were able to enlarge those trade zones to serve those customers. Now, with you know, with most of with almost you know, uh, uh, most of our store open, uh, uh, fair few stores closed, less than one percent of store closed because of the impact today. Uh, you know, the trade zone, uh, the delivery trade zone have been you know withdrawn, uh, so that for things of the present will be also more more challenging. Uh, so, so all in all, I think uh, that's why we want to highlight that you know both in our prepared remarks uh, and also in in our uh, early release. So that we can give a fuller picture, you know, to folks outside of China, uh, in Hong Kong, in the U.S. and Europe, so that they can understand. Even though you know the pandemic, uh, you know, the infected cases may be less, but the preventive measures, uh, stricter preventive measures, uh, and the impact on consumer uh, uh, behaviors are not less. And with the in, in, and then you know with the Chinese New Year complexity, uh, uh, even more challenging for people to model. We we'll try to give you a sense, you know, that you know, there's quite a lot happening uh, in the first quarter. Luosan, the the TC and TA of last year Q1 uh, summarized what what Andy just described. Because although the single sales for Q1 last year uh, was minus 11, which is, you know, a pretty pretty decent number uh, given the pandemic, um, due to all the things that Andy just described. The TC was was down 30%. However, with everything that we did, uh, including when the, when people are going back to work, because our stores were well, many of our stores are still open, we benefit a lot from it. Um, and also, we focus on the high ticket item of delivery. The TA increased by 27%. So TC was down 30%. TA was up 27%, and that support the same sales for last year Q1. And you would you could imagine for this year, uh, such benefit of the ticket increase uh, will, will be very difficult to 
to uh, to lab. Thank you. Oh, thank you, uh, Julian. And actually, I took a train from Shanghai to Hangzhou last week, so I can understand how empty railway stations are at the moment and all the challenges that you are facing. Uh, and uh, we really appreciate all the high efforts that you are making to sustain the business. Good luck. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you Taylor. Thank you. We, we try to be straightforward and present, you know, the fuller picture here in, in the, on the ground. Our next question comes from the line of Lillian Lu from Morgan Stanley. Please ask your question. Uh, thanks, Joanne. And the, um, most of my question answered. I have um, a simple follow-up question because um, uh, Jody at the beginning mentioned this year and going forward um, in the next couple of years, uh, multi-format store going to be a focus. Just trying to understand the, the economics of uh, the, the the small format, um, i.e., the small town format. Um, the unit sales basis. Um, how much it lower on per unit sales versus uh, our previous um, average? Because I understand uh, if um, we look at the uh, unit store sales pre-COVID-19 level, it's about 1.1 million US dollars per year per store. And just trying to get some picture of how lower it could be when we get more uh, new stores um, in a smaller format. Thank you. Thank you, Lillian. I just have two quick comments. One is uh, we we forever Young China at least while the business is going through such high growth we are always struggling to balance the system sales versus same store sales growth um, because it's absolutely right thing to do to drive the system sales when we can open that many store but it has certain uh, pressure on the same store sales growth as well um, but but we have to continue to do the right thing. Uh, by hopefully delivering delivering both system sales and same store sales growth. For the smaller store, uh, the revenue is smaller, uh, but we can open more stores. While the profitability level is uh, is comparable to a big store, and that I think is is very important. Um, therefore, um, net net the the system sales is is improving when we open more smaller store. Um, in the past. Not, not only now, in the past, we actually have already have multiple store format, um, big store, smaller store, depending on the, the, the location. Um, but it just right now, when we are going into tier six city and below, um, you know, we, we are open a sm even smaller store uh, and with lower capex, uh, but the return will still be comparable. Well, I, I just, uh, you know, add a little bit to uh, what we mentioned. So obviously, you know, uh, with the smaller format, uh, we would like to see, you know, a uh, smaller, you know, sales throughput. But we have a discipline process, and, you know, uh, and, and that helps us to, 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 to be comfortable that, you know, the, the profitability will be comparable and the return to our investment will be comparable. Now, you know, I think the couple, a couple of reasons besides, of, like, the you know, small store to penetrate, in the lower tier cities, we are also developing, developing low, uh, small stores that are geared toward more delivery and takeaway, especially in the urban center area. Uh, I think you know it's important to note that you know uh, you know for delivery and takeaway, there's certain network effects, right? The closer, more impact, more dense your network is, uh, that helps your know, customer service improvement, your delivery speed, uh, and then also drive incremental uh, uh, sales because you know folks. 
you ask them to walk a thousand, uh, two, thousand, uh, two kilometers, probably not going to do a takeaway, right? Uh, and then if you want delivery for like, you know, five miles, uh, five kilometers, they're probably not as, 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 as good either. But when you can shrink that into three miles and you can shrink the, you know, walking distance to 500 meters, you know, a lot more folks would probably be, you know, happy to do that. Uh, so, so that is, you know, some of the things that we're doing, uh, and, and we have been doing that for the last, you know, couple of years. But obviously, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic have accelerated and accelerated that uh, consumer behavior, behavior change, and so, so we, we're going to accelerate that, you know, that kind of development as well. Uh, so, hopefully, you know, uh, we have addressed your question. Thanks a lot, Joey and Andy. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Leanne. Our next question comes from the line of C.G. Lin from CICC. Please ask your question. Thank you, management, for taking my questions, uh, and congratulations on the strong results. For Sorry, C.G., we have very hard time to hear you. Would you mind uh, speak oh, up sorry. a little bit, please? Oh, sorry. Could you hear me now? Better. Okay. Okay. Sure. Uh, so thank you for taking my questions. And I have one question on margin. Uh, KFC's margin still recorded a year-over-year -year decline in Q3, but recorded significant YY increase in Q4. So I wonder that what's the reason behind this, and will this continue into next few quarters? Thank you. Um, well, thank you, CJ. Um, you know, in, in, in terms of margins, uh, obviously, you know, as we have uh, mentioned a little bit, you know, um, in, in the prepared remark, um, there are some, some of the factors, you know, in the fourth quarter uh, that was, you know, uh, not expected to recur. For example, uh, you know, some of the uh, uh, government and rental relief, uh, and then we're also looking at, you know, uh, some of the timing shift in government incentives. Uh, that may not recur uh, in, in next year, uh, and likely not incur in next year, especially for the COVID-related uh, rental relief and government relief. Now, the other second part of that is that you know our, our labor productivity improvement have been very strong, uh, and we, however, you know, uh, part of that is also due to uh, some labor shortage, uh, you know, part-time workers. Um, so, so that uh, that as we have mentioned before. Uh, we, we, it's going to be temporary, and when we, you know, increase our staffing level, that may also, you know, ease a little bit. But all in all, I think, you know, we have done, uh, team have done a tremendous job uh, in controlling costs, uh, and uh, and and so so some of those, you know, cost control uh, would continue uh, to next year. Now, uh, and we have a little bit discussion about. Uh, commodity prices. Uh, commodity prices also ease a little bit, uh, you know, in, in the fourth quarter. And so that also helps, you know, uh, our cost of sales despite, you know, we're stepping up promotional activity. Uh, so so it's, that's another part of that. So uh, so I think, you know, uh, some of the, I think what, in short is that, you know, some of those uh, cost savings, some of those, you know, market improvements, due to productivity improvements, would, would carry forward next year. Some of them uh, would likely uh, be a more temporary situation. Um, but all in all, I think, you know, this year in 2021, uh, the focus will really be continue to drive that uh, sales and traffic recovery. Uh, so so we should expect, uh, you know, stepping up in cost uh, of sales in terms of promotional activities, 
Uh, we also ex should expect you know, increase in advertising spending. Uh, and, uh, and, and again, because you know, this uh, uh, two-year period lab uh, impacted by COVID-19, our same sort of growth you know, is not, was not as strong as you know, the past couple of years. Uh, but you know, if you look at our cost of uh, uh, wage, uh, would be the increase would come out for two years. So, so, so that's why you know we, we in the, our preparing month, uh, we caution folks that you know uh, that in 2021 margins uh, overall compared to pre-COVID level uh, will still remain subdued. Uh, and you know, and one thing is that you know we still have some way to go uh, before we see sales recover to to the pre-COVID level. Uh, so, so, so that's why you know despite you know some of the Productivity improvement, some of easing in commodity prices, we are still over cautious uh, on the margin side. Thank you. Thank you, Julian and Andy. Thank you. Sure, thank you very much. Our next question comes from the line of uh, Terrence Liu from CLSA. Please ask your question. Okay, thank you, management, uh, for taking my questions. Uh, so I'm just curious about your statement on your coffee business, uh, because based on our uh, standing previously, I think you have been talking about, uh, you know, refining the business model and, uh, you know, I think store format for your coffee business, especially as to the coffee and joy. Uh, so but uh, I think Emmy just mentioned a couple of times that you will, you know, accelerate the expansion of your coffee business in a couple of years, uh, you know, to scale up to your meaningful skills. So I'm wondering, you know, does this mean that you are satisfied with the current business model or the store format, uh, or you have already defined, you know, found a you know, replicable model for your, you know, coffee and joy business going forward? So could you, you know, just, just elaborate more about your strategy as to your, um, you know, coffee business for the next, next three to five years, especially in terms of the, like, the store openings and any sales contribution. Uh, so anything you can share with us is highly appreciated. Thank you. Thank you, Terence. Um, let's talk about CNJ a little bit, and then we'll move on to Lavazza. Uh, CNJ, we, we so far have uh, roughly about 50 stores, and uh, we have been working on the business model uh, and then uh, refine it and build on it. Uh, the, the focus is on getting the fundamental right. Uh, for example, we build a data, we build a delivery, we improve the store economics. And to give you a sense, the quarter four of, uh, of 2020, the delivery business is already 30%. Uh, sales of the uh, CNJ, uh, which is uh, much, much higher compared to the year before, um, the, the delta here is the availability of the system um, and also food and et cetera. Um, and then um, for CNJ, we are also uh, building the B2B business. Um, you know, it has a three-year partnership with uh, another company um, so that we, 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 we supply uh, coffee in, in, in the office in, in sort of the, the, the office that provided by our partner and, and, and that, that partnership is about uh, um, it, about opportunity for 100 sites and, and we'll continue to explore that. So, so the potential avenue of, of growth uh, is on store expansion opportunity uh, but also on the store economics uh, because when we have 50 stores we have certain scale then we can really work on the economics. Uh, it, it's very hard to to really have a true sense of economic when we have a, 
uh, few stores. Um, but uh, let's move on to Lavaza. Lavaza, we only have five stores right now uh, in Shanghai. However, the improvement of economic, uh, the speed of improvement is, uh, is quite fast. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we are actually quite happy with the, with the result. I mean, the brand is, the brand, uh, is very well received by, by, by the customers. Uh, and because of the uh, technology and all the fundamentals we work on CNJ, uh, and that, that, that helped uh, the delivery uh, day part of Lavaza immediately as well. So um, we, our delivery uh, business for Lavaza, even with five stores, is already a quarter of the sales. And of course, we are also building the CRM and, and we already uh, start to uh, improve the economic. Um, and the, the Lavaza business uh, for 2021, uh, we do plan to accelerate the opening um, uh, quite fast in 2020. Um, uh, and we, we shall go out of uh, Shanghai uh, for Lavaza this year as well. Uh, so I think with, without going into uh, more and more detail, I'll, I'll pause here. I will add a couple of things. I think as uh, Joey mentioned, you know, uh, we see the fundamentals at CNJ is improving. Uh, so, you know, if you look at a store over open more than a year, you know, uh, I think, you know, they have returned to positive SSG in late 2020. Uh, and then uh, with, you know, better sales and better mix of uh, products, you know, we also see, you know, more store uh, doing to break even. Um, so that's, that's, I think, overall a positive trend there. Uh, and for Lavasa, you know, it's uh, it obviously a very new initiative, uh, but, you know, I think we can, what, what we can say is that uh, the reaction from consumer and the initial sales uh, number uh, were better than what we have initially forecast. Uh, so, so um, you know, still early uh, in the game for coffee for us, but with greater confidence. Uh, and, and more importantly, I think, you know, we internally have decided coffee is a very important category for us in the longer term, uh, and we'll invest uh, what needed uh, to make it successful and, and material and, and uh, an important part of our business going forward. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Andy. Enjoy. Thank you. I would now like to hand back the conference to today's speakers. Please continue. Thank you for joining the call today. We look forward to speaking with you on the next earnings call. That concludes today's call, and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.